Welcome to the Nate Show. Who's that guy? You know who I am. One for the players at the crib, dank and drinks, and two is for the sound hootie hoo that I make. Nice ride. Where did hoodies come from? I saw Val Kilmer once. He was walking outside of a dumpling shop in a trench coat. Don't use ketchup on your hot dog. Do the number one meal with a large root beer. I'm an emotional creature. Don't open that door! <laughs> I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. The Nate Show podcast is presented by Safe Clicker Media Group. Please follow the show at The Nate Show on Facebook and at That's Nate Cox on Instagram. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. I appreciate that. It's time. Yes, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Nate Show podcast. I would typically do like a really long intro here talking about, hey, this day's what's on my mind and go into whatever topic I'm going to talk about or whatever multitude of topics. But luckily, I don't have to waste a lot of time today because I was joined by Beth Tompkins today. Now, you may have heard Beth's name before if you listen to the show or even if you're just like a friend of mine, whatever. Uh, Beth and I have worked together um, kind of off and on for the last two years, two plus years. Uh, we'll kind of get into during our conversation how we met each other and sort of the stuff that she's working on, how we you know, formed a friendship and everything, a working relationship and all that. Uh, but she's going to talk quite a bit. I won't give away the whole interview here, but she'll talk quite a bit about the things going on. She's based out of Knoxville, Tennessee. So a lot of cool stuff. She not only does stand up, but she's a, a booker, a promoter, hosts all kinds of different local events and is always doing something. If you always doing something, excuse me, if you follow her, on safe at safe kicker at safe kicker you heard in the intro of this podcast safe kicker media group that's her so um follow safe kicker follow true grit comedy on you know facebook and instagram make sure you're following those pages for any everything that she has coming up uh we are going to cover you know those topics we're also going to towards the end talk about our uh, our friend alexis clayton who you know tragically passed a few months ago and sort of the tribute that we tribute show that we were part of uh, regarding her and, and another di- you know different number of topics but those are sort of the main things but enough of the intro let's get into that conversation with Beth Tompkins I am joined on the Nate show and the Nate show podcast today by the lovely Beth Tompkins and um, I've known her for a few years but she's been doing stand-up doing comedy since 2017 um, that's actually how I met her but she also hosts a variety of you know local comedy and other types of events uh, in the area does all kinds of stuff like that, hosts you know, multiple open mics. But most importantly, I know her to be a good friend and a, a great mother to both her child and her cats as well. That's always important. <laughs> and, um, you know, she also DJs at a local radio station and everything out of Knoxville. But I won't give her story. I'll, I'll kind of let Beth, I'll kind of let you, you know, jump in, introduce yourself, say, hey, and, you know, anything I may have missed there about your bio and background you want me to touch on. So. Yeah, you got it. Thanks, Nate. I'm glad to be here today talking to you on the Zoom uh i feel like that's been a big way to kind of keep in touch over pandemic times uh i didn't really enjoy comedy over zoom but i gave it my best shot so kudos to the folks that made that work yes um but yeah you you pretty much covered it in a nutshell i've been doing comedy since 2017 and started out here in knoxville just as an open mic on a whim and a hope to solve some depression i was dealing with and from there, I started producing showcases in 2018 
and moved up into also doing uh, mics and showcases in the Tri-Cities, like Kingsport and Johnson right. City, which is where we connected. But then I found out you have a connection back here where I live in Anderson County. So that was yes. cool to find out. I was really surprised. I was like, how does this Johnson City person know anything about Big Ed's in Oak Ridge? <laughs> Little did I know. Um, but yeah, just trying to kind of keep building that business at the same time, being the cat mom, being a kid mom. Um, I used to have a, a real job working in IT for a long time and uh, I didn't burn out on it, but I definitely found myself looking for something different. And so um, putting, a, a, putting aside the potential to earn a lot of money and pay my bills regularly, right. I thought let's do a challenge. Let's, let's make some laughs and see how much living out of my car I can do, but I'm doing all right so far. <laughs> you, you do seem like one of those people um, that, I feel like you can do the whole nine to five thing and do a great job at it, but it's eating at you. Like when you're on your lunch break or something, you're like, man, I wish I could actually get out there and do something, you know, amongst the people for the people. Um, so yeah, kind of wired like me that way, but yeah, you're doing a lot of yeah. big things and uh, I, I love watching like every, yeah, every... I definitely. I have... go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. I was just going to say like, you know, part of working in IT, like I, I like people and I like working with people, but you're so limited sometimes in like how you can solve problems or how you can open the door to discuss an issue or a challenge and doing freelance work, whether it's comedy or I've done like writing and proofreading stuff. It's like that, that access to sort of be more in control, but also still help is yeah. a large part of what appeals to me, especially producing shows. I love being in, on stage in front of the mic, but I also like being behind the scenes and sort of still organizing and helping solve challenges and helping people get what they need. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and every day, and by the way, I meant to mention, if you want to follow, which you should, if you want to follow Beth and all the things she's doing on social media, follow her on Instagram at safe kicker. Um, there's also a safe kicker media group page on Facebook as well. If you've ever listened to my podcast, you'll hear produced by or presented by safe kicker media group. That's Beth. And um, so definitely want to follow what she's doing. And because every day, every day I get on, face Instagram just now as you were um as I was admitting you into the zoom meeting I saw you had posted the event coming up with my guy Dan Alton I love Dan. anything Dan posts yeah. I always laugh at so he's doing a lot of big things too but yeah every single day you're posting new stuff and so that's exciting so what's um what's been going on lately like what kind of stuff do you have coming up what kind of stuff have you just come out of and you know, so what's the scene like right now as far as what you're doing well, it seems like things are thawing out as far as folks feeling more free to sort of leave their house, go back out to support small business or catch some live entertainment. Um, but I've been really careful to work with venues that either have an outside space or if they have an indoor space, just trying to work within the you know, limitations of how many people it makes sense, make sure that we follow mask rules. And some of those things have lifted lately, but you know, me and the folks that work with the Safe Kicker shows and events, like we're trying to really keep things comfortable and also part of that is that we've been doing a lot of live streams so that way whether it's folks that just don't feel comfortable due to the COVID situation sometimes folks aren't able to get out due to family obligations or other situations so live streaming has sort of come to be a part of safe kicker events largely out of the pandemic but really realizing even after this stuff is done that we can still let folks enjoy what we do without having to leave their house 
Um, but we don't live stream everything. We've got a few things coming up um, that we live stream. One is every Wednesday, I host an open mic at Scruffy City Hall in downtown Knoxville, and that's called Springboard. And we live stream that on twitch.tv slash Comedy. So that's fun. Last night, we had a full list, 20 local comics, a couple of out-of-towners, some first-timers, some pros. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Every week, we do that on Wednesday at Scruffy. And then um, coming up, I've got Kate Willett coming to town on June 6th at Barrel House here in Knoxville. And Eddie Pepitone is coming along with JT Haversat on June 17th at Barrel House. So those are two, two comedians I've really been looking forward to work with. I've, I'm fans. I'm a fan already of both of them um, from seeing like Eddie on Comedy Central. This is not happening. Yep. That's one of my favorite clips it is. Um, and Kate Willett's been on Late Night. She... Uh, she's been working hard to kind of get back out in the mix like a lot of comics are you know carefully but also trying to to get the wheels back going so those are two shows i'm excited about um this saturday may 29th we've got uh, i've got my first outdoor event at iams nature center and it's a variety event so i really love the formula of like music comedy uh some kind of performance art and i've done a few indoor shows like that but this is outdoors at iam you know weather weather permitting we'll do it rain or shine we've got a little cover if we need it but i've got a south carolina comic named big daddy cater he's headlining and then uh, we've got some local comics on that show i always try to book local comics so even the the bigger shows like eddie pepitone and kate willett they both both of those shows have local comics myself or one of the other folks working on safe kicker are hosting those shows so we try to kind of make sure we keep it local and it's not just you know somebody passing through and i don't know who this is that kind of thing but i think really you know last year i played it super safe i did a lot of the online streaming to try to host shows produce shows online um, which was a great way to connect with comics all over the world i loved that aspect of it um and then from that i did a few live events but they were like outside only and like it was like flow arts or fencing or storytelling or a little bit of stand-up but you know nothing inside nothing to you know put any pressure on anybody to go outside of being safe but this year we started being able to cautiously do like limited attendance indoor events at some of the larger the actual larger physical spaces and so we've done a few comedy and variety events this year and now we're kind of rolling forward into summer always yeah there's a going on. <laughs> I mean, all that's wonderful because, like, you and I were talking at um, at lunch the other day about how cool it is that, especially comedians, are wired to sort of just figure things out as they go because it's already what you're doing on stage anyway. So when a pandemic hits, I mean, not that you ever wish for that, but you're able to kind of evaluate and go, okay, well, we can we we have these tools available. We have tools like Zoom. We have different things we can do to get things done. And then also, yeah, we can still do things outside and be safe. And I was always impressed by the things you were doing, even though I wasn't coming to anything or really participating, just seeing, you know, that you all are being safe. And if, yeah, if you did an outdoor event, uh, no matter what your views on the pandemic and mask and all that were like that, you were still being responsible and doing the right thing. I think that that that's something that gets glossed over <laughs> in today's society is doing the right thing because everything's about how many views and clicks and how much money can we get and whatever, but for you to do it right even though it may not have been convenient, I was always impressed by. So, 
Well, thank you. I definitely got some guidance actually from one of the volunteer things that I do. Um, last fall, I became a member of Knox Pride here in Knoxville to help sort of coordinate pride events and, um, you know, just be a part of the community as somebody that is LGBTQ. And because of the situation with COVID um, and my membership of the board, I was privy to the conversations around, are we going to have a live pride, a parade or any live events? And I followed that story uh, up to the, the decision, which was not to have a live pride this year. Um, but I've also seen how that's impacted the community. And so I'm, I'm one of the folks that works on the social media team for Knox Pride. So I get to see messages that go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and a lot of folks are, you know, just asking like, you know, how come the mask mandates lifted, but you're not doing pride and, you know, why can't we have some small gatherings and the team on Knox Pride has been really thoughtful about, you know, being considerate of like, it's not just about whether to get people to gather, but like, what about the vendors? Are they comfortable? Have they recovered economically? Have they recovered, you know, with their crew all still available to work? Um, you know, having staff on hand to do maintenance and clean up after a festival, like that's a huge undertaking. And that puts a lot of people out there yeah. that maybe aren't ready to, to be active again. And so watching how Knox Pride kind of handled that whole thing and, and being a part of that, it's really given me an understanding of sort of how I could run my events, like only doing outside events, only working with comics that felt comfortable. Uh, you know, if someone's immune compromised or they were waiting on COVID tests, I never, never pressured anybody to perform, but to make sure that people that did want to perform that were comfortable and able could, and then to live stream as many of those events as possible so that folks at home could tune in and be a part of things, even if they weren't willing to come out. And again, I attribute a lot of that to what I learned by joining the pride team. That's, uh, that's so cool. Cause again, it's like, it's an attention to detail that most people aren't going to think of. I mean, I get that question a lot, even on a small scale, which is, why don't you just go grab a mic and go perform somewhere? I'm like, okay, sure. But I'm not, it's not just about me. Like there's, there's venues that you have to be taken care of. There are people, like you said, even just cleanup crew and like all those jobs are so important. So it is cool that they focused on that. And then you were able to sort of pick up from that and always, cause that's, I know that about you too, is I feel like you're always learning from things, no matter what the scenario you're always paying it. Even when you would come to the Nate show stage show, I could see you thinking during the show, I could look over and you just be going think and whatever. So I always enjoyed just seeing you dialed in like that, but um, you've had so much going on and that's kind of a weird transition. You've had so much going on and with things opening back up and you're doing things in the Knoxville scene, mainly, I know you're all over the place, but, uh, what kind of things have you, you know, seen in that Knoxville scene? Is there any, cause I know we talked on the phone for like two hours a few weeks ago about a lot of different things. And it wasn't, I never took it as we were, you know, gossiping or anything, but you were just kind of letting me know, cause you're, you know, I'm someone with a kindred spirit like you, um, some of the different things that you know, one that you're excited about going on in Knoxville, but maybe some things that, you know, people need to be mindful of no matter where they live, as far as if they're trying to put together shows and stuff like that. So I don't know if I asked that question the way I wanted to, but you know what I'm getting at. So I remember that conversation and there's definitely like plenty to be excited about. And there's things going on that, you know, maybe deserve a little more attention or understanding or discussion. But I think one of the more exciting things is not in Knoxville is that now that events are starting to crank back up and especially in the comedy scene, um, the scene is largely women led. Yep. And so we have like, I think three or four teams now of women either led or produced shows going on. 
um, which is huge, not just for Knoxville, but for the South, for comedy as a whole. And I had just recently watched Hysterical on Hulu, which is a documentary um, that involves like several female comedians of all experience levels from folks just starting out that happened to go viral with a clip from a you know set they'd done to like Kathy Griffin and Judy Gold talking Sherry Shepard um, and getting their perspective. And it was a fascinating documentary, but it really left me feeling a few different things. And one of those was just how proud I am like to be one of the women that helps keep the scene going and helps, you know, bring business to these small businesses and connect new comics with some of the folks that have been doing it for a long time who are venturing back out and just sort of being a coordinator but also like doing it in a business that's still pretty heavily men um, and definitely carries a lot of bias uh, you know with whichever side you're on whether you're male female non-binary whatever you definitely have some perceptions um, wherever you're coming from of the temperature things. So being, being a woman and being able to function like I am, uh, I'm really grateful for, and I, I don't take it for granted. But um, I think as far as like sort of concerns or situations that are going on, I think it's really difficult in a way to, to see beyond some Hey, real quick. I, uh, lost you there for a second so real quick Sorry to see beyond that. and then it cut out it's all good i just want to let you know i don't want you oh, to yeah. i don't want you to talk for two minutes and then me not get any of it you have to repeat everything so yeah but yeah you're good please yeah definitely please continue for sure um but i think it it's hard sometimes to see beyond uh sort of the competitive nature of comedy and it's not that there's like a limited number of venues. You know, a lot of us can just go to a venue and say, hey, do you need some people to come in on a certain night or day of the week? We could do some comedy here. And that's a pitch that anybody here can make or anybody that's doing stand-up. If you're ready to, to take on producing a show, you can do that. But somehow it seems to develop sort of either a competitive edge or some sort of a feeling in some folks that there's a need to control like who works with whom or who works with what venues and a lack of discussion or, or transparency about that has really kind of come to light lately. And I know that it's not just in our community, but it's something that's really kind of new to me. Like I yeah. said, I've been doing this for three years and it's something that's just sort of evolved and I don't know really what to put it down to. And that kind of makes it hard to approach solving it as a challenge. Like I said, I love problem solving. But it's like if I don't have the pieces of information I need, whether it's about me or a venue or the state of the union in the scene, like it's really hard for me just even as one of the players of the cast to know even where to put my foot sometimes. Yeah. So that that's a little bit of a of a problem, I guess, not just for me personally, but I want to see the community succeed and grow and like I said there's room for everybody but it just seems like these conversations evolve where it's you know somebody did this with this venue or I heard this about this person so don't talk to them and you know it really creates almost like a high school kind of atmosphere which I'm 43 years old I can't <laughs> the only high school I can handle right now is thinking about my kid being in high school in a few more years I can't immerse myself in that culture once again I already got out of it you know <laughs> yes yes I mean, and, and I don't, I want you to continue if you had more to say on that, but I mean, you and I talked about that you said, like you said, it's not exclusive to Knoxville. I mean, I told you about some situations I dealt with here, both when I was doing stand up yeah. and beyond where it's like, how come you didn't consult with me when you had this person on your show? I was like, I'm 
didn't realize I needed to do that. Still don't think I need to, but anyway, so, um, yeah, that's, that's always frustrating when you have, especially when you have people just like you have in Knoxville that are supremely talented and have the gift and they're able to do it. But when they're kind of spreading themselves thin, worrying about what this person, that person's doing it, it, it does kind of hurt. And because you're trying, like you said, you're trying to advance the scene. It's not about you competing with this person over here or whatever. You want everyone to lift everyone up. Cause whenever, when one wins, we all win, we all move forward. Right. So. Absolutely. And I, you know, it's not that I haven't run into problems before. I've had situations where there was, you know, personal conflict with another comedian that carried over into when I was hosting that person yeah. would talk during my set or heckle me. Or if I said something during their set, it turned into a huge problem. And it's like, I, I work to resolve that. And with that particular person, I'm in good standing now. Are we best friends? No. Can that person come to my events without a problem? Absolutely. Like that's the level I'm, I'm comfortable with operating on when folks are willing to resolve something. Um, but the other problem is that, like I mentioned, being a woman in comedy definitely comes with pitfalls. And I knew that coming into it. But one of the things I got from watching Hysterical uh, that documentary is the portion where the women start talking about supporting each other. And I thought that is so important that it's not just about like, yay, girl, you go, which I, I love like anybody I work with, I want them to be somebody cheering on other people, not going, Oh, I want that. I need that. How come it's not mine. And I, I avoid those folks altogether, but wanting to cheer people on comes with the understanding that I am in the loop on things that I am approachable or that someone knows that if there's a situation that I'm part of that they see as a problem or endangering somebody's safety that they feel comfortable talking to me and I've found with this sort of situation that I mentioned that I for whatever reason am not getting the information that I feel like would help me be more supportive of other women and it's not a you know poor me I'm being mistreated it's just a dynamic I can't seem to yeah. work out and it's really frustrating because like there, like you said, there are so many talented people, but this kind of situation, if there's a problem that's not being addressed, it can get in the way of exercising that talent. It gets in the way of me having access to book someone because they have a personal issue with me that they aren't bringing to me, aren't being upfront about giving me partial information about. And unfortunately, it's not just me in the situation here. It's not just you know, back-end conversations and whispers and, you know, third person, you know, hey, Beth, did you hear so-and-so said this? It's like observable to the point that it gets to where folks lash out on social media about a situation that involves yeah. comics. And it's one of those things where it's like, this does not just affect me or whomever the problem is with. It affects our audience. It affects the perception of outside comics, touring comics, and I'm not the only person booking touring comics and I'm not the only person soliciting an audience to come see our comedy. And it, it affects the whole community in a way that I cannot understand how to approach it when I'm effectively locked out from the conversations. Yeah. And I, I feel like speaking to that social media one, I feel like most rational people, you know, if you were like in a, a dating relationship and you had a beef with, you know, your significant other or whatever, or someone in their family or something like that you wouldn't take that to social media after the situation you would try to resolve that with the people involved before you went on instagram and said hey you know whatever so i, I that frustrated me seeing that especially for you because i know how hard you work to keep a positive environment and then to see 
hey, this is an issue. I can't believe this and that. And it's like, well, I feel like that could have been handled behind a closed door before it went to social media. But anyway, yeah. that's just me observing from afar. I don't, you know, anyway, so, but no, yeah. I, I appreciate that. But, you know, yours is, a, again, a perspective that matters. And so if you see suddenly see me responding to something, even if you didn't see the original post, like that's not something I typically do. And your analogy of like a personal relationship, you know, falling apart and someone being, you know, uh, aggressive or passive aggressive or, you know, responding in an ugly way like that. I definitely get human nature. But the other part of this is like, this is a livelihood for a lot of us. There, there it is. This is That's, something yeah. that you know yeah. I, I have vested in that I want other people. I pay every comic I work with. Sometimes I don't pay myself if it means I get to at least have the show credit. I will do an exposure gig as a producer to make sure that I give people the value for their time that they're giving me, the craft that they've worked on to bring an audience in. Like, it's not a, a martyrdom. It's not me martyring myself. It's me literally saying, you know, the show, I promised a show, here's the show. This person drives in to do the show, I'm going to pay them. Do I like every person I book? No. Does every person that I book like me? Absolutely not. Personalities are always going to be take them or leave them, you know, get to know people, make a snap judgment, however you operate. But it is incredible that, you know, somebody that like you that works and lives in Johnson City, which is not that far away, knows enough, not, not even just from talking to me, but just your own experiences here. And it's that lack of wanting to be forthcoming that it gets in my way. It gets in the way of other comedians with situations going on where there's, you know, someone feels unwelcome because other people have a problem with them, but those people will not give that person a chance to address the problem. This is not the first time it's happened. It's going to happen again. And I know it's happened in the past and it's not just one person or situation, but this is a livelihood for a lot of us. This is something that a lot of people are working on, a dream, making it happen. To have the personal stuff get in the way of that doesn't help anyone. And I, I wish I could just explain that to the folks that hold the, the information that I'm not getting. Uh, and I'm glad you hit on that, the livelihood thing, because that part of my language, that's what pisses me off the most when I see stuff like that is because, not to make this about me, but, you know, and just like you mentioned at the beginning of this, when you got into stand up specifically, it was to escape some of the things in your mind and things you were dealing with. So for one, just to mess with that for someone always bothers me because it's supposed to be an escape, just like with anything you do. Like for me, it's always been basketball or whatever it is when outside and personal beefs and drama and everything start interfering with that that bothers me to begin with that makes me heated and then especially not that you know money is more important than that because it's definitely not but especially when someone is trying to you know put food on the table especially if they've got kids or whatever and then you're seeing their livelihoods messed with because of some stupid stuff for lack of a better explanation like that's bothersome for sure and so again to see you go through both of those things like like I just see if it's just personally from friend to friend, like whenever I see you dealing with stuff like that, I just want to come to Knoxville or wherever you are and fight people. Not that I'm a fighter, but it's like, yeah. I, I just don't like seeing that. I don't like seeing that. And I'm as competitive as anyone you were talking about being competitive and this and that, like, I love to compete. I love, especially on a ball court. I love to compete yeah. and talk trash, but like, there's a time and place. Like at the, at the end of the day, especially doing right. comedy, like you're there to do something 
you're there to do a job, but more importantly, you're there to put smiles on faces and have a good time or whatever. Like I, I have a lot more respect for people that, for example, if you have a comedian that you know, doesn't like you and you don't like them, if they were to come to you up front before a show or whatever, and just say, Hey, look, like, I know we don't get along. I know we got beef. We can settle all that later, but right now we're here to have a good time. Let's have a good show. Like I have so much more respect for someone that just straight up tell me they don't like me, but let's, let's get the job done. Then like, yeah. Then yeah. the opposite, which I see a lot, especially out there, which is, Hey, Hey buddy, how you doing? And then I know as soon as I turn my back, they're like that Nate's a bum, and, you know, and they may be right, but I'm just saying like, uh, <laughs> whatever. No, I, I definitely spent a good part of my adult life trying to be nice, always trying to be nice. Like my parents raised me with manners. My mom told me, you know, courtesy doesn't cost anything. And then, you know, that need for sort of approval meshed into, I just always tried to be nice. Well, that got me in trouble time and again, family, friends, work where there was a situation and instead of me being like straightforward, like if this doesn't change, this will happen. I tried to do, you know, a Pollyanna sunny disposition, like, Oh, you know, I'm working on it and it should be done. And, and I've realized now, like you have to just be straightforward, but it also makes me respect, like you said, the people that are straightforward and it doesn't even have to be, I don't like you, but I've had that same exact conversation you just said, where someone's like, Hey, uh, I know you probably don't want to talk much, but I just wanted to say like, thanks for the show. Or, you know, if you've got yeah. anything on up Saturday, I'd be glad to help you out. And it's like, I know they're not trying to, you know, approach me in any other way other than professionally, but they're doing it considerately and they're not candy coating it. And like you said, Oh, Beth, Hey, you know, I love working with you. Give me a spot, turn around. Oh man, I, I hate working with her. She's the worst. Like that doesn't get anybody anywhere. It gets you a spot. But then I, I'm going to find out you're fake. Other people will figure out you're fake. Like that, that fakeness will hurt everybody. But I think that the other thing that really troubles me with the current state of things um, is going back to something that started out this year for us in Knox Comedy. It affected the whole community. Uh, it reached out to Tri-Cities. Out-of-town comics were affected. And that was losing our friend Alexis Clayton. And she, you know, was a fellow comic. She was a friend to me, a friend to you, and a member of this female crew of, you know, wanting to put on shows. She had a whole show idea. She recruited several of us, mostly women, to work on it with her. Yep. And while it never came to fruition, she was like the perfect example of somebody I could look at in the community that was younger than me, which a lot of people are, that was dealing with mental health issues that she was open about, which is something I have tried to be. And somebody that would uh, welcome anybody and would handle anything unwelcome to her in a very dignified way. And I've yeah. watched it. I heard it about her. And I know you've had the same kind of experiences, but losing her was more than just losing a member of the team. It was losing one of these women. It was losing somebody that was pushing for a dream and sharing the stage with other people willingly. And it is hard to understand how, that loss didn't push other people the same way that it pushed me. And I don't fault them for it, but the way that it pushed me was to basically have a blank slate with everybody, everybody in the community. Just, I just, I don't want any problems. I don't have any problems with anybody. And so following that, you know, we started having more live events I would see people where, like I mentioned earlier, I had a comic, you know, had a real personality conflict with this person, that same comic, without me having to say it, 
approached me in the way I just described. Like I knew how this person felt about me. I'd heard it all, seen it all, interacted with them. But the first time we interacted after that, nothing but respectful, not being a suck up, not expecting anything, just being just being courteous and being just straight up like, hey, if you have any stage time for me, I would be grateful for it. If not, I understand. Like I hope we're cool. That's all I needed. I didn't need anybody to be my buddy. I didn't need anybody to say, oh, I forgive you or will you forgive me? It doesn't have to be that dramatic. But I just, I'm floored that the loss of Alexis has somehow not had that same effect on other people to the point that, you know, we coexist, but there's this whole faction of, you know, a community that is against the other part of the community. And I just, I, my only approach now is to know that I'm doing the work I want to do, that people will see the work I'm doing, uh, you know, people know me, and whether they like me or not, if I'm just consistent, I'm going to, I'm going to keep moving forward with or without the people that support me. Yeah. But the other part of it is, it is such a public position to be a producer of events because I constantly post things with my name all over it all the time all over social media I work with local businesses so I'm putting my name on theirs I'm on the pride board I DJ at a local radio station I have a kid there's no way I'm going to act up and get away with it yeah I can't support people that are abusive in our community I can't support people that hurt other people or make other people uncomfortable or are you know, uh, out to deliberately offend people. I, I'm not that person. And to be painted as something like that, how could I get away with being like that with every, with all of the visibility that I have? Yeah. And that's not bragging. It's part of the accountability that I have is that my name is all over everything. And it is just, you know, a deep challenge that I, I didn't really know to anticipate. And the comfort of it is that when I talk to folks like you, other producers, folks that have been in the scene a lot longer than me, I don't do it from a gossip standpoint, like you said, but we do have a, a state of things. We do discuss the status quo. And all it takes is for someone to say, well, do you work with so-and-so? It's either a yes or a no. And if it's a yes, you know, you move on. And if it's a no, they can ask me why. And I'm not going to be like, oh, well, this happened and this happened and this happened. I can just say, I cannot get along with that person well enough to work with them. And it's silly to have to say that, but as an, as in one of the adults in the room, I guess I have to draw that line and it, it shouldn't be that way. People should feel comfortable approaching me or other people that are active in this community because we owe it to the, the comics that we work with, the businesses we work with, our friends and family and audience people that come out to like put on good shows, have good relations, it doesn't matter if I'm going to go to somebody else's show, but if someone says, are there any shows Saturday? I want to confidently say, yes, there's a show here that this person's doing. I have a show at this place. Not say, well, there's my show and maybe some other stuff. Like, that doesn't help anybody. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like you know, we talked about that over lunch the other day. It, it, it is always nice to sort of be able to say, hey, like, I'm not like the only game in town. Like, as much as I would enjoy all the attention that comes from that it's like there's other things there's other cool stuff you can go do it's i told you it's my frustration with johnson city is there's stuff to do but there's not enough for the talent and like the 
you know, the resources that we have here, there's, there's not enough going on. And, and, and I'm pointing the finger at me yeah. when I say that I've got to do a better job at getting out and doing what I need to do. But, um, you know, and we talked about it, you, you touched on, uh, Alexis and, mm-hmm. you know, doing the tribute to her a few months ago was tough, but it was also, I treated it the same way. I think that you were saying that you did, which is, I was like, look, I had some weird scenarios take place when I was performing in Knoxville and I'm not blaming anyone, but me for that. So it is what it is. But I thought, you know, if I can come here and pay respects to a friend that I didn't know super well, but went above and beyond for me, even a little bit of time I knew her and sort of just wipe the slate clean and be cool with everybody. Not that again, not that they have to be buddy, buddy with people going forward back and just say, Hey, look, it's good seeing you. I'm sorry if I, whatever, that was sort of what that was all about. And it was like, I remember telling you that day, it was that same day that I came to you and was like, Hey, there's stuff going on. I don't know if I'm gonna be out here much more often or as often, just because I don't know, I got enough to deal with back home. I can't keep coming and trying to perform through drama and this and that. It was that very same day, independent of that. She had no idea. Um, She had just, Alexis had come to me at a show at Brickyard and just said, Hey, look, like, I know I've heard things, but I don't, give a bleep about those things to be honest with you like you've never given me a problem and until she said if you do I'll deal with it but you know um you're always welcome if you ever still need a place to crash because she let me crash on her couch all the time or whatever when I'd be out there so she's like if you still need a place let me know so she always went above and beyond so I I miss her still quite a bit obviously but um yeah it's been good to see that you uh, not that we would ever wish anything like that to happen but for you to sort of see that and um use that not i don't i didn't want to use the word use but you know what i mean like to be able to be a part of that environment for the tribute and everything and say okay well here's what alexis was doing here's sort of the vision and stuff that she had and the spirit that she had how can i you know take that with me and and remember her that way and move on in addition to everything you already had going on so i think that's it's really been cool to see you pay respects to her and, and everything that way as well so Cause that was, that was, that was yeah. a rough day. That was a rough day for us. And you were the first person I saw when I got there. So that, that part made me happy just for you to be the first person. Cause I'd not really been out to Knoxville since um, I'd had that talk with you. So for it to be you <laughs> that, that helped me just personally. So. Yeah, no. And, and likewise, like I knew that you were somebody that she had worked with sort of recently. I also yeah. knew that she was somebody that when that situation happened that, you know, you, she, she didn't go with the hearsay she went with her gut and she wasn't a traitor to women who no. had an issue with a no. man and she wasn't a traitor to a cause for something that didn't affect her it would be something that affected her you're a member of our community too if someone has an issue with you they can talk with you about it they can try to work it out and sometimes you can't work it out and you just say all right you go do your thing and i'll do mine and we just won't work together but she didn't draw that line with you I haven't had anybody draw that line with me, but I know there are people in my community that if I approach them to work with them, I can't because they have mm-hmm. an issue with me that yeah. they can't even be forthcoming about. And I just, I think that goes so much against the spirit of what we do. I think that, you know, it's not using, you know, what happened with Alexis and using it right. in some sort of a bad way. It's no. more like applying a lesson, applying a, you know, a horrible experience teaching me something within myself that I just, I really wanted to see in other people. And, you know, 
whomever ends up watching this, if you're in the Knoxville community, if you are in Knoxville comedy, you go to shows, you produce shows, you perform, or you're an out of town comic and you want to perform here, have conversations, have those conversations and answer the questions you need to know where you want to put your foot next, because I am having to do that. You, Nate, are having to do that. Like all of us are not having to walk on eggshells, but it's just such a volatile environment for comedy anyway. And yeah. now, you know, this situation, like I said, there's people on one side, people on the other. We all are doing shows. And I don't, I don't know how to move forward on that. So my, like I said, my thing is just I'm going to walk my path. People are going to love it or leave it. And the yeah. same for you. Like you say, you know, you're not doing enough, but it's just for you, but you're on your own path. People didn't take it or leave it. And I just, I want that sort of agreement to give each other space agreement that if there's a problem that we don't just start talking about this person, that's a problem, but we maybe talk to the person that's a problem. And if it's a situation where someone feels unsafe or they're not sure if someone else supports them or backs them up, ask that person do you support me in this will you help me talk to this person yeah because there are people that didn't even come to alexis's memorial because they felt like they would be attacked for showing up and it's not just one person there are a few people that reached out to me and they're like hey i would really love to come but i just don't feel comfortable being around some of the people i think will be there i can't promise who's going to be there or not other than i knew i was i knew darren was because he live streamed it to help folks participate remotely and shout out to darren for that by the way yeah no he's he's great and you know that that was an undertaking in itself for him to be able to just pull the tech together and help me produce a memorial for someone i've never done such a thing so you know you helped me he helped me alexis's family helped me uh her uh fellow employees at cassie's grill helped like people jumped in that i never had talked to wouldn't felt obligated anything from like that was what pushed me to just see like a little amnesty could go a long way here. And it's not that I'm upset that I'm not getting my way. It's that I'm upset that it's not going the way that it could best benefit the community that I see from my perspective. But the work I do will just keep going forward. The venues will come and go. People will come and go. But I I care about this. And you know, having the access to talk to you about this. Um, I was on the Gabbing Gale time or the Gabbing Girl time podcast recently. I've talked about this. Like, I'm not afraid to say there are problems, but I also know my friends in Atlanta have similar situations. Folks in South Carolina, folks in New York, folks in the Midwest, comics everywhere are in these environments where there are problematic people, problematic actions, and they're not getting addressed. It's just an ugly truth that we have to try to work yeah. around and avoid and sidestep and it throws a lot of us off. And I think we all yeah. deserve better. So hopefully this conversation will spark some other conversations. Maybe it'll make some other folks want to look a little deeper into what's going on, but just know, like, I think it's just an arts thing. I think all of the arts have their own <laughs> well, version of this. I was just getting ready to say, even if you're listening to this and you're going, well, I'm not a comedian, I'm not hosting shows. How does this apply to me? It's anywhere. It's at your job. It's if you're playing a sport, whatever, like this stuff's going to happen at the end of the day, as frustrating as it is, you, like you mentioned, you can only really control what you can control. And it's hard enough to do that most of the time. But even right. then, like you kind of just have to stay focused on that. And as I was telling you, we can start wrapping up here in a second. Cause I know you got stuff you need to do today, but, um, you know, we were talking the other day about how I would advise people, whether they're a comedian or whatever they're doing, 
especially if they realize quickly that they're pretty good at it. I would like stay away from the crowd for a while starting out. I would spend that time really in general, but spend that time like focusing on the craft and not that you can't have friends or whatever. Obviously I buddied up with you pretty quick, but um, yeah, I think what happens a lot in any endeavor is you can get caught up in the, that whirlwind of all the external stuff that doesn't actually matter as opposed to, Hey, what am I actually trying to accomplish here? So people want to, people kind of want to live a certain, I'm not even talking about money, but want to live like a certain lifestyle before they've actually done. And that's so much easier to think about in social media age where you kind of want to show that this has nothing to do with anything. So I'm sorry if this is a poor analogy, but I was looking at tickets for an NBA playoff basketball game. And by the way, they weren't cheap, but I was thinking, Oh, I'd really like to sit like courtside that way I could close to the court so I could like take a picture for Instagram. And then my other thought right after that was that's stupid. Why am I even going then? Am I going to watch the game or am I going to be seen at the stupid? Whatever. <laughs> but that's the mindset. Now I have to catch myself as like, you know, you want to show that you're doing this, that, whatever, like, no, nah, just do it. Just like the Nike shirts, just do it. And then like that, that'll come later. So anyway, I, I didn't mean to ramble about that for a second, but no, I think that's a great thing to touch on and maybe wrap up with is just, you know, in this modern age, like Instagram, there's a fine line between being an influencer and just using it as like a scrapbook to share with your friends. Yeah. Like, I know nobody really wants to see my tacos, but if they like tacos and I tag where I ate them and I have my friend in the picture, like that's a memory for me. It might be a help for a local business. It, you know, lets people connect. Oh my gosh, you like tacos too? Let's go get tacos sometime. Like, I love that that social media lets us connect. And I think that, you know, that is perhaps part of the, the reasoning why people have a hard time being straightforward. If you message somebody, it's going to turn into a screenshot. If you call somebody, there's no proof of what was said. It's between you and them. And then you've got all these people that are going to discuss it. And, you know, people are going to post vague book things about it. It really does kind of bleed into like how people handle it, like a personal breakup. But I don't know. I think that that social media is, you know, there's a fine line. You either are the influencer where you're out there doing it for everybody else, or it's a scrapbook where you're just doing it for yourself and, you know, bringing some other folks in along the way yeah. sometimes. <laughs> so, you know, it's all about that perspective. But I, I, one of the reasons I love that you do this is that we always hear different people's perspectives. And there's every chance you may end up talking to somebody else in my community here or in our community in East Tennessee comedy who has a different perspective than mine. It does not, not yeah. have to be something that agrees with me and that might say something that, that helps me out. But I think that the point of having direct conversations like this, you know, we're not painting anybody in a particular way. We're not dropping names. We're not divulging anything that isn't really already knowledge on some level in the community. But having the discussion, I think, is so important. And I will always be open to those discussions. Yeah also like to listen to other discussions too. And I know you and I, I don't think I've ever really disagreed on much of anything, but I know that like, if we did, we could have, he'd be like, Hey, Nate, come on, man. We got, we got to talk about something, yeah. whatever, and vice versa, but like whatever, it wouldn't be like a big deal. And that's the other thing, especially with social media is like, you see it, especially during like election season. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're either a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah. It's like, who cares? Like, whatever, like yeah. we're, the shirt right here we are all human like at the end of the day like that's what actually matters can we have these conversations like so you and i have always had a good rapport so yeah for sure so do you have anything else that you want to you know say or touch on anything i I may have forgotten to 
help you promote or anything at all that's on your mind before we sort of wrap up this episode? Um, not really. Just if folks are in the East Tennessee area and looking for something to do, especially in Knoxville, you can follow True Grit Comedy on Facebook. Yes. Or like Nate mentioned, you can follow Safe Kicker on Facebook and Instagram. Sometimes I even tweet stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, just just every every time someone comes out to a show, it's not about me knowing I put on a show somebody's interested in, but that means that business gets a person, that person gets an experience. I get an experience. Sometimes I bring my kid or I invite friends. And I just, I encourage folks to, you know, embrace the positives of the entertainment that's out there. Embrace, you know, the, the opportunities that are there. And if you're a performer or somebody that's interested in getting into comedy, look for opportunities and make your own. Yeah. And that's how you got started. That's how I got started. And it's not that no one helped us get there, but we are the ones that opened our mouths and said, I want to do this thing. And we needed somebody else to say, all right, go for it. So I encourage folks to try that. And I hope that, you know, anybody listening to this that's thinking about trying comedy isn't deterred by the discussion of drama. Just know that it's, you know, like you said, something that you might encounter in every job or hobby that you try to do that involves other people. But that transparency and being willing to talk about it, even when it's uncomfortable, will go a long way in bringing people together. And uh, for sure. And and to your point, you know, you and I had the conversation. I just mentioned to you, I was like, Hey, I love like Dave Letterman. I've loved, I've been wanting to do a late night talk show my whole life. And that'll be coming back soon, by the way. But, um, you were just like, you were just like, all right, cool, let's do it. And I was like, okay. And then we did it. (laughs) It's like, we just created it. (laughs) Big props to you for that. And, um, this isn't really like a shameless plug, but I did want to say before, because we were talking about Alexis a few minutes ago. Um, this isn't because of me, this has nothing to do with me, but about two years ago, if you dig back through the, however you're listening to this podcast, if you go back through the archives, I do have an interview with Alexis for anyone that's listening or watching this. The episode's called breaker of chains, Alexis Clayton, because you remember she was in the game of Thrones roast. So I was trying to tie that in there. Um, I don't remember anything that I talked about. I was a horrible interviewer that day. I do remember that. So it has nothing to do with me, but I just, I would encourage people to listen to it. If you're curious or even just want to remember her as a friend of hers, just what her spirit was like. Cause that whole time I was a total wreck, but she was just, you know how she is. She was just ready to go. She was ready to talk. She was engaging and giving right. and everything. So I would encourage people to listen to that breaker of chains with Alexis Clayton. But yeah, if you don't have anything else, I'll go ahead and sort of wrap up the podcast portion of this. And I guess you and I can chat for a minute off air as they say, but I do want to thank you for joining and I'm sure the audience appreciates having you as well. So yeah, thank you so much for having me, Nate. Anytime.